I love to hear stories of people's lives. I love to read biographies. Any other biography readers in the crowd? I love reading biographies. I love to read stories of missionaries. I love to read stories of pastors in, in history past. I love to read stories of historical characters. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, guys like that. I love to hear the stories of people's lives. I especially love when I, ha- when I discover some common ground in the stories that I hear of people's lives. I've heard, I've heard the stories of many of your lives over the last many, many months. And it's fun to find common ground and to find connection. And I, I look forward to hearing the stories of, of more of your lives, how you came to know Jesus and what He's done in your life. But I, I love to discover that there's, there's common ground. Uh, Tom and I have a common postal background. Uh, he was a letter carrier for many years. My dad was a letter carrier. My grandfather before him. Uh, Tom lived in Rancho Cucamonga for a while, where the church was that I pastored. And so, as I've gotten to know Tom, we've we've got some common ground, and I've I've found that uh, beneficial and helpful in just kind of discovering that. Gary and I have common ground. Boy, Gary's head popped up when I said his name. He's awake now. So Gary and I have common ground in bike crashes, and we can compare our bike crash stories and our injuries. And uh, Victor just joined that club this week, and uh, so we have a growing, a growing group of bike crashers. Um, Ed and I have a lot in common. He prefers to ride bikes with motors. Uh, I am the motor, and I value that. But he also rides real bicycles, so that's, that's a good thing too. But I, I love discovering common ground. I love to hear people's stories. And so this morning, as we come into Mark's gospel again, we're going to finish chapter 1 this morning. Some of you are so excited. 15 more chapters to go. But as we come this morning, we're going to look at the story of a man we know nothing about except for the verses that we're going to look at this morning. We, know, we don't know his name. We don't know his backstory. We know nothing except these few verses at the end of chapter 1 in Mark's Gospel. And so Mark is going to take us this morning into kind of a snapshot of the life of a leper. And I want you to open your Bibles, and we're going to look together at this portion of Scripture. And uh, there's, there's some fascinating things about this passage, uh, far more than I can capture in the time we have this morning. But here's where I want to go this morning. I want to first look at the leper's story. What is there in the leper's life and his story that you and I can learn from. And then I want to look at this story through the eyes of Jesus. Let's look at the Jesus story. The leper story and then Jesus story. And then I want to talk a little bit about my story. And then we're going to focus on your story. That's kind of where I want to go this morning. So as we come to Mark's gospel, beginning in verse 40, it's, Mark simply records this. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him, and immediately sent him away, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely. 
and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. But he stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. And so I want to look briefly, as I said, at the the leper's story. And the first thing you have to notice about the leper is he's diseased, right? He has the disease known at that day as leprosy. And it's helpful to understand a little bit about what this disease involved and what it meant. Leprosy doesn't find its way into many many of the medical uh, lexicons today. It's known today as Hansen's disease, uh, named after one of my Norwegian forebears, Gerhard Hansen, who discovered the bacteria that causes this disease. The word leprosy comes from the Greek word lepra, which means scaly, (laughs) scaly or scabby. Does that thrill you a whole lot? And so a leper contracted this disease, this bacteria, and it wasn't nearly as contagious as it was believed in those days. Uh, interestingly, this, this um, bacteria was communicated with uh, excretions from the nose and the mouth. And so droplets were transmitted into the air. Does that sound familiar at all? And, uh, and so a leper had this, this disease that caused these scabs, these sores, but it also affected the nerve system where your ability to feel pain was compromised. And so you would be at work and you would cut your hand and you'd have no awareness that you'd cut your hand. Uh, You would stub your toe walking and kicking a rock. You would have no awareness that your toe was stubbed and and sore and bleeding. And so because you had no sense of pain, those areas would become... Infected, And so oftentimes it was the extremities, the legs and the feet that were the feet and the hands that were affected. Oftentimes it was the face that was the most visible because of all the clothing they wore. And so you would see the sores and the scabs and so on. And so this man, this leper, was diseased to the max, right? It affected him physically. It affected him socially. It affected him spiritually. Lepers were kept at a distance. They weren't allowed into the temple area. They weren't allowed into the synagogue for instruction. And as I understand the history of this, uh, the leper was required to stay 400 cubits away if he was downwind and 100 cubits away if he was upwind. Now, a cubit was the length from the fingertip to the shoulder, about 18 inches, to the wrist, elbow, I'm sorry, the elbow. About 18 inches. And so if you do the math, basically... You're either 50 yards away or you're 200 yards away. You thought six feet of social distancing was bad, right? And so the lepers had to proclaim unclean, unclean as others would approach. They were social outcasts. They were spiritual outcasts. This man had a serious, serious disease. Sadly, this was a disease that was hopeless, helpless. There was nothing that could be done. That's not true today. In the time of the first century, this disease, there was no known cure, no known solutions. The Old Testament, if you want to read about this and read all about scabs and skin diseases, if that is attractive to you, 
In Leviticus chapter 14, the Old Testament describes the, the response to come to a priest that Jesus says here. He tells the guy to go to the priest and do what's appropriate. And so the, the Old Testament in Leviticus 14 describes the, the proper offering of two birds and, and two lambs and the whole process that if a person was cleansed, this is how they would, uh, it would be verified by a priest. But there's no known cure. Today, between antibiotics, uh, right eating, uh, it's easily cured. But in his situation, it was hopeless. Helpless. There's nothing he could do. You ever feel that way with stuff in your life? Just me? I'm the only one that feels that way sometimes? You know, you, you ever face stuff in life where it just seems hopeless and helpless? That's where this guy was. Physically outcast, emotionally separated from people, uh, spiritually not able to participate in the spiritual life of Israel. Diseased and helpless. And what was his solution? Go to, go to Jesus. That's a good plan, isn't it? It's always a good plan to go to Jesus. And so this leper comes to Jesus. He's supposed to be how many yards away? 200 yards? But he comes to Jesus. Put yourself in his place for a minute. I don't know how many years he's been like this, how many years he's been in this outcast situation, how many years he's had to distance himself from people all around him. But he comes to Jesus. Comes to Jesus. Because he's looking for help. He's looking for solutions. He's looking for cleansing. By the way, one of the things that intrigues me as I read my Bible is that it never speaks of leprosy being healed. It only speaks of it being cleansed, which is interesting. And so this leper comes to Jesus and seeks his help. And what does he say to Jesus? I find his statement to Jesus fascinating. What does he say? He says, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. What's implied in that simple statement? He's not demanding, he's asking. It's a statement of fact, right? It's not a question, it's a statement of fact. But what else is implied? He had confidence in what Jesus could do. If you're willing, you can. Where did he get that confidence? Well, faith, for sure, but he's been hearing the stories about Jesus. He's been hearing the stories of Jesus' healing. He's healed the guy with the, the hand in the synagogue, and he's healed all those masses of people that have come to him. So he has absolute confidence that Jesus can heal him. Absolute confidence. What is he uncertain about? Is Jesus willing? If you're willing... You can heal me. You know, that's, that's not a bad way to pray. That's not a bad way to pray. Lord, I have absolute confidence that you can do what I'm asking. Absolute confidence. What's that verse that uh, Maggie quoted for us this morning? It's interesting, Maggie. That was, I, I prayed that verse this morning when we were praying before the service. You have created the heavens and the earth with your outstretched arm. There's nothing too difficult for you. 
And so this leper comes to Jesus in this helpless, hopeless situation. And he says to Jesus, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. It's interesting that Jesus then tells him three things that he wants him to do. And what did the leper do with the three things Jesus told him to do? Well, the one he had no control over because Jesus said, be cleansed. But Jesus told him, don't go tell anybody, right? And what did he do? He told every single living soul he could find. And it it says Jesus could no longer go openly into the cities. He's out in the wilderness. And even out there, what happened? People come to him. And so... One of the questions I frequently ask in my, men, my men's group on, on Tuesday morning, I don't know if they figured this out yet, but one of the questions I ask them every week in the passage of Scripture that we're in is what do we learn here about Jesus? And what do we learn here about us as men or women? What do we learn here? And one of the things that I learn in, in the story of the leper one of the things I learn is there's nothing too difficult for a God, nothing too difficult for Jesus, nothing that's truly hopeless and helpless. I don't know if you have anything you're wrestling with that seems kind of hopeless and helpless, but when Jesus is around, nothing's hopeless and helpless, right? And so I, I look at the life of this leper, and I look at him coming to Jesus, and Jesus is the one you want to go to when things are hopeless. Jesus is the one you want to go talk to. Jesus is the one you want to go seek out when things look hopeless. I learned that from the leper. Now, Jesus' story is interesting. Uh, On many levels, um, this leper comes to Jesus, and the first thing that Mark tells us is Jesus' response to the leper was what? Compassion. That word compassion is, a, is kind of a funny word in the Greek language. Because the word compassion has the idea of the inner organs kind of being in turmoil, the guts. And the idea is that Jesus was deeply moved when this leper came to him. Now, if a leper came to you and knew he, you knew he was a leper, what would your response be? <laughs> I'm backing away. Jesus has compassion. There's probably a whole sermon in that simple statement, isn't there? Jesus has compassion. Not just for the hundreds, the crowds, the multitudes. He has a compassion for one man. In a helpless, hopeless condition. One of the things you and I can be confident of is that He has compassion for us too, right? Casting all your care upon Him because why? He cares for you. And so Jesus has compassion and He's also willing and able. He is willing to cleanse the leper and able. Now think about that for a minute. What if he was able but not willing? (laughs) You're in trouble, Ed. Why are you in trouble? 
Because you're still going to have leprosy when the conversation's over. On the other hand, what if he's willing but not able? <laughs> and thank God he's always able, yes. He's all, that, that is the for certain thing, he's always able. There is never a moment. There is never a moment when your God and my God is less than able. Not a moment. Not a second. Not a nanosecond. There's never a moment that he is less than able. You should be jumping up and going, Hallelujah! I got an amen. That was a start. Our God is always able. I love the way Paul expresses it when he says, My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you ask or think. That's pretty able, right? Now, if you came to me and had leprosy or any other disease, for example, I'd love to heal you. I really would. I'd love to see you healthy and strong. But I'm not able. I'm not able. You know, I, I learned this week that my 10-year-old granddaughter tested positive for COVID. And my heart response was, I want to get on a plane and go do something. Right? What can I do? What can I do? Nothing. Well, I could do a few things, but I couldn't heal her. Jesus is not only willing, but He's able. And I love that in this story. He has compassion. He is willing to heal. And He's able to heal. And, and what's Jesus do? He touched Him. In that culture, in that day, they were so concerned about get, cont the contagiousness of the disease it's not nearly as contagious as they believed it was. But they were so concerned that how far did they have to stay away from the leper? The leper had to stay away. Two, that, that's two football fields, right? I wonder how long it had been since this man had someone touch him. And there's something about human touch. There's, there's something, I don't know, one of our nurses can help me here with the neonatal processes of a baby and that touch and bringing that newborn infant, you know, once they clean, clean her up and they bring her to mom and they lay her on mom's breast. You know, there's something about human touch. To go a day, a week, a month, a year without any human touch for years. And oh, by the way, when Jesus reached out and touched him, by Old Testament law, Jesus was now unclean. And he touched the leper. Why did Jesus touch him? Did he need to do that? Didn't need to. How many times does he heal from a distance? He's not, you know, he could heal from 200 yards away, right? He could heal from 200 miles away, right? But he, and he could have just spoken, be cleansed, which he did. But what did he do? Touched him. And I wonder, did he put his hand on his shoulder, on his head? 
I don't know. But he, but he touched him. Jesus chose to do something that that man had not experienced in, I think, a long, long time. Choosing even to be considered unclean by the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. To touch. Then he gave three commands. Be cleansed. That's our word, by the way, the Greek word is our word catharsis. To be clean, to be cleansed. He says, be cleansed and be silent. (laughs) Don't go tell anybody. And go show yourself to the priest. Do Do the proper sacrifice. And, of course, this guy then went out and told everybody and his brother and sister and everybody else, right? From Jesus' story, there's lots of lessons to be learned from Jesus' story here. I love the lesson of his compassion. I love the lesson of his touch. I love the lesson of both his willingness and his ability working together. I wonder how many people were around to witness this. If everybody wanted to keep a distance from a leper, the nearest person, as Jesus is touching this leper, the nearest person's got to be how far away again? 200 yards one way. Here's In a moment in isolation, Jesus is willing and is able and he touches And, of course, it was over the next several months that this man was healed, right? No, what's your text say? Immediately. Instantly. Right now. I wish God answered all my prayers that quickly, don't you, Steve? (laughs) Right now. And imagine, imagine for a minute that you're this leper. And you've, you've had this dreaded disease, this disfiguring disease with all the... All the stuff packed into it, physically isolated, physically disfigured, socially distanced, spiritually an outcast, unclean by Old Testament law, cleansed. Wouldn't you be tempted to go tell everybody too? Wouldn't you? Man. I love Jesus part of this story. And then my story, as I've read this passage and meditated on it, one of the things that struck me is this. I have a lot in common. I have a lot in common with this leper. Sadly, he didn't ride bicycles, but I got other things in common with him. You know, I came into this life diseased, Not with the coronavirus or any other virus, but with the S-I-N virus, right? We all came into life. I came into life with the the sin virus, a disease, if you will, that was helpless and hopeless, nothing I could do. The the Bible talks about that a lot, doesn't it? There's nothing I could do. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which, which I have done, but according to his what? His mercy, he saved me. And that classic passage in Ephesians 2. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of, not of your own, not of works, lest you should boast, right? Hopeless, helpless, 
disease. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. That, that was true in my life. And there came a point in my life as a, as a six-year-old at a good news club that I sought Jesus, or maybe more biblically, He sought me. And uh, I still remember, let's see, 71 minus 6. How many years ago was that? 65 years ago. Um, I still remember that moment. I don't know that it's super critical that every single person needs their, you know, fixate on that moment. But I still remember that moment following the Good News Club. I could walk you to the exact spot, I think, in the living room in my, my sister's house now, my, my house where I grew up then. I could walk you to the exact spot where my mother and I stood and, and prayed together. And I acknowledged the reality that I had a, a disease. I had a condition that was helpless and hopeless, and I couldn't do anything about it on my own. But Jesus could, right? And He's always willing and able when you seek Him out, you come to Him. I'm grateful for that. And so my story kind of parallels the, uh, the leper's story. Um, I understood that there was a need in my life to, to repent, put my faith in, in Jesus. The best I could as a six-year-old, I didn't have it all figured out, right? I still don't have it all figured out, <laughs> truth be told. But the best I knew how at a young age, um, I understood that I needed a Savior. That I needed someone that could deal with that, that heart disease. Scripture says, the soul that sins, it shall die. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And all those scriptures are coming to my mind as I'm reading the story of the leper. And Leprosy is a picture to us of sin. And the condition of the leper is a picture to you and to me of our condition before a holy God. In need of cleansing. In need of being clean. And so I I learn, as I think of the leper story and I I look at my story, um, one of the things I need to do different is to go and tell, right? Jesus told him, don't go and tell, and he wants you and me to go and tell. And the leper disobeyed, and sadly, well, I haven't always been obedient there either. But my story parallels the leper's story. We have a lot in common. And I would suggest to you this morning that your story is like mine. That either you also have recognized the reality of that sin disease and have responded by seeking out the Savior, or you've yet to discover the reality and the awfulness of the disease that you have and your need to seek out the Savior. We're all kind of in the same boat like the leper, right? really are. We all have a a disease. It's helpless. We can't do anything about it, but Jesus can. And good news, He's willing and able. More than able. I think what a great story that we have a lot in common. And I found myself thinking, why don't people come to Jesus to be cleansed? And then I back up and I think to myself, well, what? There's that spot right there. Stay over here. I'm good, right? 
So this leper, what, what are some of the things that might have hindered him from coming to Jesus? Fear? Not sure what to expect or what would happen? Maybe fear of rejection? Yeah, that's a good answer. What else might have kept him from coming? Doubt. Yeah, not sure that Jesus really could. You know, I don't know that that's implied in his, his if you're willing, you can. But it could have. It could have affected him. Pride? I don't know. Leper had a whole lot to be proud about, but maybe. To go and ask for help. Yeah, do you ever discover there's sometimes you just don't want to go ask for help? There, there's kind of a, a, a I guess for me, I, a true confession time. For me, I think there's some pride issues that I don't like to ask for help sometimes. Or more times than not, I want to do it myself. I wonder if for the leper, one of the things that might have kept him away was... How awful his disease was. He's been told, and it's been communicated in so many ways, 200 yards away, that this disease is awful, it's ugly, it's repugnant. I think sometimes people don't come to Jesus because they feel like they've, they've done too much. Sin is too bad. If you knew what I've done, that kind of, I wonder if... That could have been a reason. But in spite of all the possible reasons that could have kept him from coming to Jesus, what did he do? Went to Jesus. Why? Why did he overcome all those barriers and come to Jesus? Why? Because his condition was awful. Hopeless. What was the worst thing that could happen? Jesus would say, I'm willing, but... Or I'm able, but I'm not willing. Aren't you glad that wasn't Jesus' response? I'm glad that wasn't His response to me. And I just think people sometimes have reasons that keep them from coming to Jesus. And then the other thing I found myself thinking about was, you know, a lot of times people come to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Sometimes people come to Jesus because they're looking for Jesus to solve something for them. They come to Jesus because they they want their marriage to be better. They want their marriage to be fixed. They come to Jesus and, and they want that fixed. Or they come to Jesus with the hope that He'll help them deal with uh, like a drug problem or some other, you know, addiction to pornography, addiction to drugs, or some addiction. And, and we come, they come to Jesus looking for Jesus to, to help them have a better life. Does Jesus give you a better life? I guess it depends on your definition of better What kind of life does Jesus promise? Eternal life. And that's a quality of life and a quantity of life. Jesus says in John 10.10, I'm come that they might have life and they might have it, what? More abundantly. So there is that. But did Jesus die on the cross to give me a better marriage? 
Did Jesus die on the cross to deliver me from my addictions? No. Did Jesus die on the cross to solve my financial difficulties? No. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To deal with the sin problem. And that's, and that's, that's the message that is captured in the story of this leper. He comes because he has an awful, awful disease. And he wants to be clean. <laughs> and when you think about it, that's the offer you and I make to a lost world. That people have a horrible, awful disease. And they need to be clean. But where can they go to get clean? To the cross. To Jesus. And so... I think of just lessons I learned from the story of the leper. And my story, your story, we have a lot in common. A lot in common with this leper. And I think this morning, if, if you and I have come to Jesus for cleansing, and we stand this morning cleansed, forgiven, Gifted with eternal life, quantity of life, and quality of life. Not just something that's going to happen after I die, but something that's real today, now, right? If all of that is true, then what should my response to that be? Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Tell others that need to be cleansed. And this morning... If I've not yet come to Jesus for cleansing, the question is, why not? Why not? What hinders someone from coming to Jesus to be cleansed? Tell you what, if I had a disease like leprosy, I'd be running to Jesus like this guy did. There's lots to learn in the story of the leper. Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers, the Scriptures tell us. There's not an awareness of the awfulness of the sin virus. People are far more concerned about the coronavirus than they are the sin virus, right? People need to know that not only do they have a need, but Jesus has a solution. So I don't know what it is in your life this morning that you need to come to Jesus with. The good news is you can go to Jesus with anything, right? You can go to Jesus with everything. Frequently when my wife and I are praying together, whether we're praying at night as we go to bed or in the morning... Frequently, my wife has this phrase that she says. She says, there's just so much. There's just so much. You ever feel that way with the stuff of life? There's just so much. And, and you're tempted to say, I just feel overwhelmed by the stuff of life. I wonder what the solution is to the stuff of life. 
I wonder what the answer is to being overwhelmed by having so much. I wonder where we should go when we're overwhelmed by the stuff of life. Yeah, go to the cross. Don't go to Dr. Phil, Dr. Laura, Oprah, that whole list, right? Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And I, I look at this, this little snapshot, five, six verses here at the end of chapter 1 in Mark 1. And this guy we know nothing else about, no name, no backstory, no nothing. All I know is what I read in these few verses. And one of the things of many lessons is when things are hopeless, when things are helpless, the place to go is to Jesus. You know, sometimes people come to me with situations that are pretty hopeless and uh, I can only do one thing. What's that? Take them to Jesus. Yeah. Take them to Jesus. Uh, I'm not the Savior. I'm not the Messiah, but I know who is. And so this morning, whether it's whether it's a physical ailment, we got people in our church family with pretty significant physical ailments. Whether it's 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 an emotional challenge, emotional difficulty. Financial challenge, financial struggle, whatever it is, the place to go is where? To Jesus. Take it to Jesus. And especially this morning, if you've, if you've not yet come to that place of acknowledging the reality of, of the disease that you have, and you've not yet come to the end of realizing there's nothing I can do about it, I don't have the ability, but Jesus does. And so my encouragement always is, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Lord, I'm grateful for the story of this leper. I'm grateful for his courage in coming to Jesus. And I think of so many reasons why he couldn't have or shouldn't have, but he did. And I'm grateful for a compassionate Savior who touched, and cleansed. And I'm grateful for the reminder this morning that that's exactly what He did for me. That when He went to the cross, when He was nailed to the cross, He went there for me. And that He died in in my place, took my place. And as a result of His shed blood on the cross, the sacrifice for sin, I'm cleansed. 100% clean. Cleansed and forgiven. And my only response is to say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. And I pray that you would, by your Spirit, speak that message into each of our hearts this morning. A heart of joyful response of thanksgiving or a response of coming to Jesus. Looking to Him for that free gift. And I thank you for the promise that the Apostle John left for us when he said, this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
These things are written to those who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So I'm grateful for that promise this, this morning. I'm grateful for the fact that I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt because of Jesus' mercy, His love, His grace. And so we celebrate. We celebrate just like a leper cleansed. We celebrate with great joy and give thanks. Thank you, Jesus, for your touch in our lives. Thank you. We give you thanks in your most precious holy name. Amen. You would stand for this last song and make it a prayer for those times when you're in the deep water and you feel like no one's around you, but just know that the Spirit's right there with you. He's living inside of you, guiding you and being happy.
All right, it's been good to be together this morning, hasn't it? Amen. It's always good to be together. I look forward to Sunday mornings a lot. And as Dave mentioned earlier, those that are uh, watching us on YouTube, we'd love to see your smiling face here as well. So as we pray together and trust God together, we look forward to all being back together again. So if you've been touched by Jesus, if He has cleansed you of a terminal disease, there's a world out there that needs to hear that story. There's a world out there that needs to know about the cleansing touch of the Savior. And so as you go this morning, go in the power of His Holy Spirit. Go in the strength of a risen Savior who's coming soon, right? He's coming soon. And so go in that strength and in that power today. We're going to have our congregational meeting, I think, in the first classroom over here, unless someone corrects me on that. And uh, we'll hopefully begin that in probably about ten minutes or so. So if you're able to stay and be a part of that conversation, that's where we're going to be. God bless you and have a great week.